Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter in the Miyako Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. We debated trying to do this uh, podcast in a bar or something nearby, but honestly, at this point, my voice is so ravaged that I think the... Um, yeah, I kind of I think the, uh, the... The hotel room chill out before we head out for the evening is probably the best way to go. Gather our thoughts. Gather our... Um uh, gather ourselves, get ready to take on downtown Los Angeles. It's been an incredible tour, and I know we've been banging on about it, and it, I, I think there's a lot of people who back home are, are, are probably thinking, oh, God, why are they still talking about it? But the fact that we're here is it just it feels surreal. It's amazing, really. And after an amazing coach ride from San Francisco up to Seattle and then a, a day and a half in Seattle – Saw a game, an amazing game in an amazing stadium, and that we've had, we've uh, had a good night last night. Got up, got the the plane down to LAX, and we're here. It was weird getting off a plane and not feeling absolutely battered, but um, I'm ready for I'm ready to hit Los Angeles now. So we um, obviously this weekend we're going to USC UCLA. We're also going to go for some drinks with Cess and Wes and Lakeisha. And apparently, um, Brassi is coming out for drinks as well. Tamposi is going to be quite the uh, quite the crew going for Andy Brassell. Uh, no, the Brassi, the one who always wants to be on the podcast and gets arsy for not being on there. Yes, um, she's coming out for drinks as well. We're going out in Venice Beach on Saturday afternoon. All right, cool. And then we're going to Chargers Broncos on Sunday. Chiefs Rams Monday. Back on Tuesday. So it's happened. We, we've uh, managed to procure ch- <laughs> yeah. tickets for Chiefs-Rams. We've bought tickets. We're going with the fans. We figured after covering six games professionally in 10 days, let's just have a blowout and go and enjoy ourselves. Find a good tailgate. Have a good time. If anyone knows of any Rams tailgate, but tailgates, by the way, has been out to watch a game at the Coliseum, drop us a line at Gridiron, at Will Gav, at Ollie Hunter on Twitter, because uh, we do need to find a good tailgate to go to do on the Monday. I'm going to wear my McCaffrey jersey. Um, yeah, I love that. I might even wear my George Kittle jersey. Oh, I didn't, I didn't ask at reception if it had been delivered. Uh-oh. What am I even doing? Why are we recording a podcast? I don't know. My you... George Kittle jersey could be three floors away from me. I could be wearing it right now. You absolute clown. What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. I never know what you're doing. <laughs> um, but let's talk about last night first. We're going to preview the weekend's games. And you're going to hear coming up from the, uh, from the, the locker room, uh, we're going to have Trey Flowers. We're going to have uh, Shaquille Griffin. We're going to have a little bit of Chris Carson and uh, lineman DJ Fluker as well. Um, firstly, Seattle as a town loved it. Went out on the Wednesday night, went to a music bar where there was like a rockabilly band playing, went out for drinks afterwards. Fantastic night. I think we might have talked about this already. We've talked about podcast. that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, it all, you know, it all kind of blends into one eventually. Um, and then Thursday... Went for a few uh, drinks with the team before we went down. Not the teams, as in the guys who were out here. And what honestly, about those bloody Marys? I'm going to say it again. What a great group. Oh, the group is insanely good. Like, I was talking about this. Everyone brings something different. There's different fandoms and knowledges. Frank and Mary are just sleeper picks for the best people on the tour. But, you know, people like Jim, the the, the pseudo... He's not even pseudo. The intellectual... Um, uh, the, the the Seahawks fans, Nick and um, and Tofty, just brilliant, great guys. Everybody, honestly, has been superb. There's not been any issues. It, it's just, it, yeah, love. 
I get quite emotional about these things. And when we said goodbye to half the group this early this morning, it was a little bit emotional. You know, the Thorpedo and Thorpino, the two Thorpies. We had some Seahawks fans on the tour. Steve has been great. I mean, I, I you mentioned, mentioned the that. Thorps already. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that bit. I was reading Clancy has sent us an absolute diatribe about why he uh, is frustrated with the Packers. I might just read it verbatim uh, <laughs> as a take and get your thoughts on it. Uh, but <laughs> it, honestly, trip's been fantastic. So we split. Uh, half have gone home at this point, and the other, there are still 16, including me, Ollie, and, and Ben from Touchdown Trips, who's done a brilliant job throughout this, uh, are here for the LA leg. Great group that have come to LA as well. So uh, we'll go out and have a few tonight and, uh, and toast to a, a last cracking few days. So we went down to the stadium, which is, honestly, we went out and we filmed some stuff on the pitch for our YouTube and for our Twitter channels on the field. And it, it is one of the most impressive stadiums, even before it was full, that I've ever been in. You know, it pains me as a 49ers fan. And Levi's is an incredible stadium. Yeah. But centrally, the big thing is, being the downtown stadium, so it, it lacked that element of having the big tailgate, which you can have uh, the, the kind of stadiums further out. And it did. I did miss that. I did want to have more of the classic traditional tailgate. We ended up having to do one like a private one at a bar kind of thing. Yeah. But we, um, when you're approaching the stadium later with the fans, and it's got that real soccer football game feel to it. Absolutely packed. Everyone traveling together, coming on public transport. Um, it helped that there were... A solid 15,000, maybe even more Packers fans there yesterday in, that, in amongst that 69,000. So there was a huge Packers representative representation, which considering they've not won on the road this year, was amazing. And then Ollie and I went and uh, we managed to seat hop for the first half in and amongst some of the guys who came on the tour, about six of them had paid a seat upgrade for this game. So we're down in the lower ball bowl behind the end zone, the end opposite the Hawks' nest. And I know that everyone talks about how loud it is at the uh, at CenturyLink, but I've legitimately never experienced something like that. I, I've, I've heard, you know, Penn State was one of the loudest places we've ever been. Yeah. And obviously when you are in a mega football stadium, soccer stadium, and you see a great goal scored, but it's... The Packers got that early turnover. Seven seconds into the game, Chris Carson fumbles it. Packers get the ball. First down, and they're making noise like some stadiums would struggle to make on a third down with the game on the line at the end of the fourth quarter. That's what really took me aback, was just the fact that it was constant. And it was honestly so loud that I wasn't surprised to see people with earplugs and stuff like that because you could do damage to your hearing. Yeah. It's incredible. And I honestly can't recommend it enough to people. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And being behind the goal and seeing downtown Seattle behind uh, the Hawks Nest as well, it's a spectacular place. And I think they've really looked at ways to, to make it louder. I know there was the whole controversy about pumping in sound but I didn't hear any of that. But having the the, the soccer stadium style roofs on 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 the stands meant that the, the sound did bounce back up, and I think the sound then didn't get lost regardless of where you were sat. Whereas at Levi's, it was pretty loud down where we were when we seat hopped before down by the end zone. But the guys from Touchdown Trips, they were like, "Yeah, it wasn't as loud until they moved down themselves." 
it, the, the atmosphere atmosphere is retained. And I don't know why more new stadiums, and maybe some of the old ones don't think about putting a roof in so that the fans don't get wet, so that the fans, so that that atmosphere can build. I know Arrowhead doesn't have um, any roofs and that that pushes CenturyLink. I think it overtook CenturyLink for the loudest place. They swapped backwards and forwards yeah. for a while. I know that much. Um, I, I just... So everything about the event was great. And the Seahawks uh, PR were fantastic. And the access was brilliant. We got on the field afterwards. Some people will have already seen on Twitter the video of Ollie recreating the ridiculous 54-yard touchdown strike to Robert Tonyan. Um, Who knew? <laughs> which was... Uh, just watching that play from behind the end zone, watching the way that Rogers rolled out of the pocket, pointed downfield. You saw Jimmy Graham come on the route, which brought the safety up, and Tonya making that deep route, a uh, deep kind of cross at the back, and uh, Rogers just directing him, directing him, directing him, and then hit, throwing the perfect ball, which travelled 58 yards in the air. It was magical to see. He is a ludicrous human being when it comes to doing stuff like that. And interesting that. In the early parts of the game, you know, I've had my my you know, Russell Wilson-related beefs with Simon Clancy and Matt Sherry that I rate him as a top-tier quarterback, but not at the same echelon as them. What's amazing to see is Wilson obviously got them there in the end, and I think they're consciously not running him as much because in the second half, the Packers loaded the box against Chris Carson. There were five or six times where I looked at the play and I thought to myself... You've run an option there. You've got the option for Wilson to keep that ball and, and run to the edge and, and probably pick up the first down. And every time he handed it off until one play in the final drive where he picked up the second of the two first downs they mm-hmm. needed to kill the game off. You know, I was stunned they didn't do more of that. But it was more that Russell Wilson... He had a few brilliant throws in the second half, but there was the horrendous overthrow to Doug Baldwin uh, at the back of the end zone, which I was convinced was tipped at first and then saw the replay and it wasn't. You had the um, the throw down the sideline that uh, that drew the defensive PI call um, uh, that, that had he thrown in stride to Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett had both defensive backs beat. Had he thrown three or four yards ahead of him into stride, led him, that was a touchdown. He actually underthrew him and was kind of bailed out a bit by the PI. It was a stupid, stupid defensive PI to give up. Never got his head around, made contact before the ball was there. Everything was wrong about it. But it was stark to see even someone as talented as Russell Wilson not being able to get to that same level of just transcendence Aaron Rodgers can reach at times but they end up losing Seattle come from behind a huge victory for them and we'll talk about the Seattle side of things coming up and have the locker room interviews for you but 27-24 when you're getting a performance out of someone like Kyler Fackrell three sacks three tackles for loss three quarterback hits had an unbelievable day a pass defended as well um when you're getting good, a decent performance out of your defense in the hole some struggle with the defensive backs and again a lot of injuries probably had something to do with it as well. Four starters out at the start of the game, four more going down during the game, including the likes of Mike Daniels. It was just so frustrating to see the team went three of 11 on third downs and it just made all the difference to killing this game off when they had a lead and letting the Seahawks back in. When you said one of the things that that I could have put to Rogers in his press conference was the lack of 
chain moving on third down, sometimes going for the big play. And I know that the, the touchdown to Tonyan was a, a third down play, but it's it's disappointing that that isn't in the playbook and it doesn't seem to be in Mike McCarthy's mind to try and make those third downs. The the one time where um, they they tried that chain-moving third down stuff is when the ball got stuck in Aaron Rodgers' hands. It looked like he threw it to the floor. He didn't. He, he said in the press conference afterwards... It, it it just fell out of his hands and 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 the play wasn't made they didn't run it they didn't try and go for it on four and two which mike mccarthy said we crunched the numbers and the numbers said that we thought that we would be able to get a stop now as you said all of those defensive guys out the 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 seahawks were amazing rushing the ball carson penny davis all going for over 4.9 yards per carry so I don't think the numbers were crunched correctly. Give the ball to Aaron Rodgers and he'll he'll he's so he I know Matt Sherry in in our conversa in our um in in our WhatsApp group has said, Oh, he you've got to worry about how many lack of his uh, game winning drives. But he's done it. He's done it loads and the fact that they didn't go for it on that fourth and two and he never saw the ball again is almost as bad as he who must not be named rushing the ball out. You know, you know that I, you know, I, I agree that Mike McCarthy needs to go, and that it's got stale there, and it's clearly not working, and that Rogers' talent has been wasted. You know, I do genuinely feel that, and there are plenty of examples. Whether it's the problem is Rogers was personally responsible for two of the two earlier timeout calls, which led them to only having one timeout left, which meant that McCarthy didn't feel like he could challenge the Tyler Lockett catch on the game-winning drive, the Ed Dixon touchdown drive, where it looked like the ball touched the ground. I think it would have been overturned on review. That was a massive play, which would have potentially completely turned the game. If you've got three timeouts there, I think you throw the challenge flag without even thinking about it. Yeah. McCarthy... Doesn't throw the challenge flag. That was a mistake. The fourth and two. And you saw Rogers wanted to stay on the field. It was so apparent. He stayed out there for as long as possible, like just looking at the sideline, barely communicating, just looking as if to say, let us do it. Let us go for it. Well, he because threw his head back in frustration that, the, as he was coming off. And you said it, the defense were ravaged. Like they had at least six starters, if not seven starters, out by that point. And whilst they'd had a brilliant third quarter and played well in the first half, they were running on fumes, and you know, you, I had absolutely no doubt that with how well the run game had played in the second mm. half, they were going to dominate them. I just, it's particularly after you see a first half performance where the offense played so well. They picked on Trey Flowers. Devontae Adams in the first half alone had nine of nine for 109 yards. He went on to add that one huge completion over Shaquille Griffin later in the game, which I asked Shaquille Griffin about a, a little bit later on. Um, but. but He's a legitimate number one receiver and was taken out of the game in the second half, bar that one big play. And the the play calling is a real problem. And I've said that like the number of times on third down where there were three wide outs running deep routes. And you're like, well, like you said, where's the chain moving? Where's the guy sitting? Where are the three guys all making a run and then just stopping and sitting just past the marker? One of them's going to get open. Where are the slants? Where are the quick slants? Where are the running bumps uh, within a yard of scrimmage of the line to run natural picks? Where's all that stuff, which so many of the offenses in the NFL do so well nowadays? They run the least complicated route tree of any team. And it's a real, real problem that that doesn't 
allow guys to get open in short yardage situations. They also didn't run Aaron Jones enough for my liking. I think he looks like a real game-changing talent. I just, I do get frustrated with it, but I am going to say that Aaron Rodgers isn't free from blame because there were times where a change could have been made, a check down could have been made. You could have found a way to go short of the sticks. He held on to the ball too long on a number of occasions. There were three or four coverage sacks in the second half which were almost entirely coverage sacks but where you thought right so get rid of the ball get it away don't let the sack come in or find a check down find an option but he kept his eyes downfield he kept looking for the big play and those you know those flicks of the wrist those rainbow throws to Tonyan and to Devontae Adams show why he's so good at that but I just want to see more simple stuff from that offense, and they're just not doing enough of it. And I think it does fall on McCarthy's head, but I think it does fall a little bit on Aaron Rodgers' head as well. Well, one of the things Rodgers said in the press conference afterwards, by the way, he was uh, as despondent as they can as as they come. If you can go back to the Packers um, Twitter handle and, and and go and find it, have a have a watch, hear my croaky voice when I answer, ask a couple of questions. But he said that we didn't get our men open enough. Now, at the time, I was thinking, oh, that's a bit harsh on the the rookie receivers in Valdez-Scantling, Jamon Moore, and Equanimous St. Brown. But actually thinking about it, and what you said there about how simple some of the, the routes are, or the routes are, I think they're not being coached properly to get open. And I don't think they're being, they're, they're not using picks enough, and they're not, um, they're not doing anything different. We saw at the weekend um, uh, Tyreek Hill at the line of scrimmage doing a triple, quadruple stutter step and then breaking through. I know he's got that pace to do it, but there's no- nothing really like that from the wide receivers at Green Bay. And I think Rogers mentioning that is not necessarily to say to the wide receiver the, the the rookies the the young guys you're not doing doing it right but actually to the wide receiver's coach the offensive coach Mike McCarthy as well you're not getting these guys open enough for me to get the ball to them there's there's this question exactly of that of whether I think McCarthy eventually it does fall down to him and I think he's wasted wasted the best years of Aaron Rodgers running an offense that would have been fine 15 years ago, but does, isn't, hasn't reacted to the NFL in no. the modern age. You know, imagine what Rodgers would do with Sean McVay or Lincoln Riley or someone of that nature who could come in. Or, you know, Matt LaFleur is another good shout. I'd have the, Josh the McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, all of, all of those are, are the kind of shouts. Are, the, I think the interesting thing with Rodgers is that Rodgers has had fractious relationships with offensive coordinators before, and there have been flashes of a fractious relationship with uh, Mike McCarthy at times. Do you... Do you trust that a young coach will be able to come in and have instant respect from Rodgers? I think that's an interesting question. It's one that can't really be answered, but that's just an interesting question. And I put that to to the group, and and the name that's come up a few times now, Nick Saban. Already, you know, he's in the top two best college coaches of all time, but he's still got, got nothing left to prove at Bama. He'll probably win the national championship again this year if Tua can stay healthy. But the NFL never worked out for him. He could 
come back to the NFL, win a Super Bowl, win a couple of Super Bowls, and then become mentioned in the greatest head coaches of all time at any level. If he, if he comes and wins a Super Bowl or two, he becomes in that Bill Belichick conversation. Mm. Why, like, why not do it? If anyone's going to get you to come out of college, Green Bay... Aaron Rodgers, still three or four years left at his prime. A good squad around him, a defense with some talent on, number one wide receiver in Adams, a decent offensive line when they can stay healthy. There's plenty to like in Green Bay. Not a lot needs doing from a, a squad perspective. I think Saban could come in and turn that team around immediately. Not, it wouldn't take a season or two. It's a great shout. And how exciting would that be for Green Bay fans that, that you've got one of the best... At- best ever coming back to the NFL I quite like Josh McDaniels because given what he's done with Belichick and Brady and the way that you often hear wow what would Rogers be like if he played for Green Bay under Belichick well actually a lot of it is also down to Josh McDaniels too so that would be something that would be interesting for me I, I don't think the Colts job was big enough for McDaniels and that's why he stayed with the Patriots mm. the, the Green Bay is one of the biggest jobs in sport rather let alone football so either one of those two I'd be happy <laughs> I'm um, I'm 100% moving on from Mike McCarthy now seeing him in his press conference <laughs> seeing him in his press conference he he was uninspiring I know they just lost but some of his excuses just don't wash with me and it's time to move on Right, let's um, let's just talk a bit about the Seahawks because they have now put themselves in, particularly with the Falcons' loss last weekend, into that prime position for the sixth wild card, card slot. The Rams can no longer seal the division on Monday night when they face the Chiefs with a victory there, but you'd still think that it's going to have to be a wild card for them. Can they do what they did at home last night on the road without the crowd? There are still issues. Let's start off with those. Six full start penalties at home is not good enough when it's your even with the plenty of go pack go yeah. chance that is not good enough that is a problem for an offensive line that otherwise since uh, Solari's come in has played up to a much higher level and we'll hear DJ Fluka talk about that you know first and second round picks across the board they have looked more impressive particularly in run blocking Rashad Penny flashing brilliantly again um, you know I put out the question exactly why people thought he hadn't been used more early in the season apparently he did have a thumb issue and came in overweight at the start of the year so but he made that one absolutely ridiculous big gain run where he ran across the entire formation and tore them apart. Um, Chris Carson, 87 yards on 17 carries. And you'll hear I asked him about, you know, uh, when you fumble on the first play, what does Pete Carroll say to you and how, like, you know, how can you get that level of trust back uh, immediately in him? So we'll hear from him on that. Wilson was brilliant in the second half for the most part after a couple of fluffs in the first. You know, there's a... a- well, you say that, Willie, but the, the, the ball thrown to Tyler Lockett as Lockett comes across the field on a, on a, 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 a massive crossing route, I think the ball's slightly overthrown. Lockett makes a really, really good catch, which may have actually hit the floor, but they, the Green Bay didn't challenge. Had that ball been better placed, Lockett makes the catch easier. With the touchdown through the middle to old man Dixon. He was great in the locker room, by the way. I didn't get a chance to chat to him because he was scrummed, but he was having a whale of a time off the back of scoring that. 100% he would, but that was just a simple 
big man, over-the-top ball. It wasn't anything genius by Russell Wilson. But the strikes to Doug Baldwin in the second half, particularly after, I mean, Doug Baldwin saw what, eight or nine targets on the night, and now he says his knee finally feels fit again. He could be a huge factor. Remember when they ran the table a few years ago yeah. uh, to get into the playoffs from a difficult position, and he had touchdowns in some, he had something like ridiculous 14 touchdowns in eight or nine games. That is the kind of form he could hit at this point. I thought he played really well in the second half. Uh, you know, I hate to say that. Uh, you've got someone like Frank Clark, who's now got 10 sacks in 10 games this season. Season. Um, he was responsible for two of Rogers' five sacks on the day. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and the back end talent, after struggling in the first half, had a much, much improved second half, particularly uh, saying it. Of those five sacks, I think at least four of them were coverage sacks because the secondary played really well. Partially, that's back down to the play calling we've talked about a lot already, but also they've still got to do their job. And particularly after you've been torn apart in a first half to turn it around and make those second half adjustments is pretty big. Well, I think what was which what, what was really key for the coverage and and those coverage sacks was that the four guys on the line were creating so much problem and pressure on the offensive line for Green Bay which I think has regressed massively. They keep letting their best offensive linemen go. But because there was those it was just those four that's seven guys that can drop back into coverage. You kind of... I, I, Rogers does need to get the ball out quicker or, or, or figure out not to take those sacks or quarterback hits or whatever. But those that front four pressure allowed everything else to work better in the backfield for Seattle. Uh, let's talk about... Um, just look at forward for the Seahawks then. Six games left on the season. Or what are their next six fixtures? <laughs> uh, very good. Well, so you imagine they're going to probably do the double over the 49ers and you'd expect them to beat the Cardinals at home on the final day of the season. Yep. Other than that, they've got the Chiefs and the Vikings, but they get both of them in their home stadium. So they're both winnable games when they're there. And then they go to the Panthers next weekend. That's a real, uh, a real test, that Panthers game. Or is that next weekend? I think, is there a bye week? No, it's the 49ers who had the bye week after we saw them yet. So the 49ers' next fixture is the Seahawks. But they go to the Panthers next weekend. Interesting to see. Panthers are great at home as well. I mean, well, it depends kind of how Carolina stack up because of, their, um, because of their own issues. I mean, last weekend the Panthers were rubbish. And in that they they face the lions this weekend and then that seahawks game but against the uh, against the steelers they really didn't live up to billing and that for me i i'd need to see them have a bounce back against the bucking against the uh, against the lions this weekend on the road and then i think the seahawks could struggle there but you know is four wins out of uh, is four wins out of six going to be enough that's what's going to be the interesting thing to grab that wild card spot and the nfc Sixth place race is a fascinating one. Right, let's hear from um, the players in the locker room what they think thought of the performance on the day. Um, we'll start off with Trey Flowers, which was... <laughs> I don't know why I'm starting with this interview, but it was the, the least rambunctious of all the people I spoke to. I think he knew he'd had a really rough first half. But I, uh, I caught up with him first, and then you'll hear from Shaquille Griffin, Chris Carson, uh, and DJ Fluka as well, all from the Seahawks locker room. Uh, here with cornerback of the South Seahawks, Trey Flowers. Let's just start off with... Great win for you guys today. Yeah, great team win. We needed it, and we got it. It felt like a tough first half for you. Saw a lot of yards picked up by Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers went to that side of the field a lot. What adjustments did you guys make in the second half? Because 
a much, much better defensive performance in that second period. Uh, man, I, I, got, I had to do better as a team. As a defense, we had to do better as a whole. So, I mean, I cleaned up my part a little bit, and we got the win. Three of 11 on third down for them as well. I mean, when people talk about great Seattle defense in the last 10 years, to put that sort of performance on Aaron Rodgers, it feels kind of special. Uh, like I said, it's a great win. We're going we're gonna to lay this one up for a little bit, but let's go back to work. Does this feel like a changing point in the season that you guys can make a big drive at the playoffs now? Yeah, I think big and believe big, and that's what we're going to do. Great stuff, Trey. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I'm here with Chris Carson, running back of the Seattle Seahawks. First of all, before we get to anything else, massive win for the team tonight. Yeah, it was great to get a win. Um, a couple of close losses last week and the week before that, so it was great to come out with a win. Now, when you fumble on the first drive of the game, the first play of the game, and then you still get 17 carries, still get those. What did, what did Coach Carroll say to you when you came out after that turnover? Uh, it wasn't too much Coach Carroll. It was more uh, Chad, a running back coach. He told us, you know, uh, just stay patient, you know what I'm saying? He still trusted me, so it was great to see that they put me back in uh, and gave me the ball the next play. So uh, it just shows how much they trusted me. So It's fair to say, it felt like the Packers were properly loading the box in that second half, doing everything they could to stop you, and yet some hard-fought yards in there. Oh, yeah, man, they, they did a great job adjusting in half. Um, but we had to, you know, make adjustments ourselves. And so it was great to see that we still can run the ball even when they, you know, try to load the box. How much improvement have you seen from this offensive line this season? Because it feels like chalk and cheese with what we've seen in previous years. Yeah, I mean, they did a great job. You know, it, started, it starts off with them, you know what I'm saying? And then um, it trickles down to the running back. So we all worked hard in the offseason. We try to get right, and we're still improving each and every week. And just talk to me a little bit about playing with Russell Wilson because the keeper that kind of killed the game late on to pick up that first down was just a moment where he thought, why, like, what kind of player is he? Uh, he's, he's a great player. You know, he's, a, he's a running back in himself, you know what I'm saying? So he's a, a great athlete, so it's just great to have somebody like that that can uh, pick up big yardage in a crunch uh, time like that. Seahawks going to the playoffs this year? Uh, that's the goal. We had our ground, you know, that we knew he could extend plays, so we had to cover a lot longer than we usually do, but we was prepared for that. And like I said, we all eat together and, you know, I remember running to the side. I was like, I want some love too, you know, we're covering our butt out back here. But, you know, and, and, and it's cool to see that, you know, everybody get a chance to make plays the way they did. That, you know, we work for each other. Oh, yeah. When, when, when the coverage has been as good as it often was for some of those sacks, what is it then like when you suddenly give up a play like that and how do you bounce back um, from it? It was tough, you know, it's not something I'm, I'm um, a person that, down let stuff like that down you know he made a good play you know for i had a i had a, the receivers quiet all the way through the fourth quarter so you know i don't take none for myself and i don't take none from a great receiver a great quarterback who made a great play you know i remember just getting up clapping you know it was a good play but i had to make sure that you know it wasn't gonna happen again and that's the type of cornerback you got to be you don't gotta have a short memory loss and he made a great play you know it happens you know it happens in football but you know if we come with the w that what that what matters at the end of the day Rogers had a huge first half, as did Devontae Adams, but second half you managed to keep them mostly quiet. What what were the adjustments at halftime? What was the conversation in the locker room? Uh, just staying sticky on coverage, you know, continue to calm down, relax, and, and play what we've been taught. You know, we had a good, uh, great a great game plan going in through the week, you know, for this game, but the only thing we had to do is just execute. He made the call, we execute, and just play our rules. And that's what we did, you know, coming in at halftime, we didn't make no adjustments, we made the same plays. All we had to do is execute and just calm down, play our game like we know how to. You haven't lost a game by more than a score all seasons. How important is it for you as a team to win one coming from behind late on? Oh, it was perfect. You know, um, 
we'll be looking for something to turn in our favor. You know, the last couple of games, they haven't. But, man, you know, finally get over that hump. That's what we needed. And we're going to continue to feed off that and continue to push forward and get these Ws home and, and continue to win these games like we've been doing, you know. But now it's about to turn into our favor, and it feels good to get one finally. Congratulations, Gil. Enjoy it. Appreciate that. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? DJ, first of all, I mean, massive win for the Seahawks. A lot of people calling it a statement win for you guys. I mean, the thing is that we're a hungry team. We're a young team. And, and the thing about it is we just go out there and play play football every single day. We practice football every single day. The thing about it is, but the, thing, the thing about practice is it's actually fun being at practice. So when, so when it comes to the game, everything is a little bit easy. So... I believe that we went in and took to, and took to this game and just made it have fun. We went we're there to have fun. You guys haven't lost a game by more than a score this year. So to come from behind and win this one late, what does that do for the team? I mean, we, we got an attitude. We got a swagger. I keep telling it about we have a swagger. We just have to find the right tool to keep, to keep it going, the right chemistry to keep it going. I think we're doing a great job. Done, done a great job with that, with the chemistry. Uh, every, uh, everybody uh, communicating. Uh, and being on top of the um, assignments, I think we've done a great job with that. Being prepared, being be prepared uh, like each week. So, you know, it just come down, come down to that. What do you think has changed in this O line? Because often quite maligned in the last six or seven weeks, people have been talking about it as being one of the strengths here in Seattle. Has the coaching change made a big difference? There been a difference in the way you've approached the game. I mean, I, I don't really know about that. I wasn't here last year. I mean, I, I just came here with Coach Lara from the Giants. So coming here and seeing these guys work, work hard from uh, every veteran here and some of the young guys, I mean, that's all that matters to me. And, and, and we're and we just a hungry team, you know? And that's about it, really. It, it feels like it is sometimes disrespected because a lot of talent on this line, all first, second-round picks, you know, guys who can clearly do their jobs. So it's nice to see you getting the respect that maybe you deserve. I mean, too. I mean, that they all say respect is earned and it's not given. We go out there and earn every single thing we do here, do, do every single Sunday, every single week, every single day. That's, that's how we're doing. We're we just earning it. This obviously puts you in a really strong position for at least a wild card based on how everything else is breaking out now. The Seahawks a playoff team this year? I believe so. But the only thing about it is I can't, I can't look that far ahead. I only can play one, one game at a time right now. And whatever happens, happens. But right now, our goal is to go 1-0 each, each, each and every week. That's all we can do. DJ, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full <laughs> terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable.
you can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. You're listening to The Gridiron, a show Will Gavin Ollie Hunter was still in the Miyako Hotel in Los Angeles. Well, over half of the show today has been about that Packers-Seahawks game on Thursday Night Football. But I think it was a game with so much... Uh, Greg Rosenthal, I listened, I listened to his review of it on our, on our plane ride to Los Angeles. And he said this felt like the first game of the end of the season. The weather had started to close in. It was starting to get like under the lights. Playoff teams going head to head potentially. Business end, aren't we now? Yeah, exactly. And that's the first time a real contender, as they were seen going into the year, might have fallen by the wayside. Mathematically, the Packers obviously aren't still out of it, but when they are, I shave off my beard. By the way, <laughs> is that how it's going to work? That's what I said at the beginning. <laughs> I haven't shaved since the start of the. Uh, obviously, trim the moustache, but since the start of the season, I haven't shaved. I look like a hobo. Uh, there's a picture on at Will Gav of me celebrating the the Rogers touchdown that was down at our end, and um, I think it's got over 250 likes just because I look like an absolute, as one person said, hobo. Oh, yeah, we buddy. started this um, we started this podcast, and it was light outside. It's now dark, so <laughs> that's how long we've been to, to been talking about that game. Uh, right, let's roll through the weekend's games, and there are some absolute crackers in here, and there are some that we can just. Uh, could just gloss over a little bit. Let's start off with uh, the Dallas Cowboys going to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium to take on the Falcons. Both teams at four and five. Both teams knowing with a win, they go to five and five and can still challenge, well, both in their division potentially for the Cowboys, but for that wildcard spot, neither of them are out of it. And yet, when you consider how the Cowboys have, well... Well, you consider how Atlanta played. They lost to the Browns last week after a three-game winning streak. Dallas coming into it, riding high after that win against Philadelphia. Yeah, Is that momentum for Dallas potentially going to carry them through? Because it was a completely different looking team last weekend. Yeah, it was. But given, I mean, their defensive, well, injuries across the board, but defensively especially, um, uh, back up Daniel Ross, but David Irving and Sean Lee are, are, are all out. Taco Charlton is also out. They've got doubtfuls on the on the line. Um, Zach Martin and Conan Williams. Malik Collins is also a doubt. Joe Thomas, not that one, is also a doubt. The linebacker. The Falcons, only Dion Jones is out. And given the amount of injuries, uh, all right, they had all of their IR guys. They're all gone. But given the amount of injuries that they've had to deal with, and now they're getting a settled team that they can work with, work around. I really like the Falcons in this game home stadium as well and this was a game actually that we saw last year on the tour and I think that I think the Cowboys won that and it's just the Falcons are a better team now than they were at the start of the season when they were trying to deal with all of those those injuries so for me I've got a Falcons victory because I don't believe in Dak Prescott on the road I don't believe in Dak Prescott generally regardless of how well he may have played the last game or two I'm going to take the Falcons at home, I think. I know it was a really disappointing performance against the Browns, but their offense is still incredibly high-powered. They're at home. Deion Jones could be back for this game. It's more likely he comes back a week later, but that's going to be a big piece for their defense. They feel like a team... They might need to run the table or go 6-1 and one to get themselves to the playoffs. But, I, yeah, I'm, I feel like after that slip, the Falcons... 
with not many lives left, will get it done at home. That's, that is my belief. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the uh, six and two and one, take on the three and six Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, how the mighty have fallen. If you do want to talk about a team who really are going to have to uh, turn things around sharpish, it's, it's, it's very much the Jags. Uh, James Conner came through concussion protocol, has been, um, has, has been training the last part of the week. The Steelers have now five wins in a row, put 52 points on the Panthers in prime time, have extra time to prepare for this game. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster has been brilliant out of the slot, which is, uh, he, he's had, you know, he's had um, more yards out of the slot than Thielen's had out of the slot. That's how good he's been this year. And it's a position that the Jags have struggled with since giving up their really good slot corner to the Texans. It's very difficult for me to see the Jags pulling off a performance here at home. I'm going to take the Steelers. I've got to agree with you. I think the Steelers' offense is is absolutely buzzing at the moment. The Jags' defense hasn't played well, hasn't lived up to any of of the expectations. And Blake Bortles is still... Blake Bortles, as uh, my friend Malcolm Jenkins would have, would say. So, yeah, Steelers win for me. Uh, two, six, and three teams going head-to-head at this point in the season should be an absolute barnstormer. And honestly, if, if Washington beat Houston, the Houston Texans at home to go to seven and three, it makes the NFC East incredibly difficult for any other team to win at that point. But... They have so many injury problems in the trenches. And not only do they have those injury problems in the trenches, but there's also the fact that they were, pretty, they were outplayed by Tampa Bay until Tampa Bay got into the, into the red zone. Three points, but 501 yards on the game. The mix of fumbles, missed field goals. It was a complete and utter mess. I, I think this team is, is a bad 6-3 and three team. Not bad when, they've got, when they're fully healthy, because I think their strength comes in the defensive and offensive lines. But they can't get the ball moving on offense outside the numbers. And I think the Texans are going to come in with all of that talent on the defensive line. And not just the obvious Watts and Clownies, but guys like Merciless. The interior guys who have been really good yeah. this season in rotation. I think they go there and, uh, and, and give them a real problem. Washington are really missing Chris Thompson. He wasn't in his um, at his scat back brilliance that we saw last year, but what him being on the field allowed for Adrian Peterson to then dominate down the middle, and now we're seeing that Peterson's regressing back to the norm because there isn't that extra threat. Sam J P Ryan is not working out; is not um, is not fit either. Uh, with Capri Bibbs, the ex Bronco, in there, it just it's not quite the same. It doesn't carry that same threat, and thus they can't get the ball moving. Alex Smith is is playing to Alex Smith levels, which is bang average, and you need something a bit more than that when things aren't quite working out on offense the way you hoped. I think the Texans will win this. I think they'll go to Washington. That defensive line is 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 great. We've got an extra week and a bit from Demarius Thomas to get used to the 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 offense and and build some sort of relationship with Deshaun Watson. Hopefully, he doesn't keep banging out the um, the <laughs> the offsides and 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 such like. So yeah, I'm I'm going for a Texans win here. Titans go to face the Colts in the all AFC match of the Titans. Five and four right now. Colts at four and five. And well, Andrew Luck 
has beaten the Tennessee Titans all nine times he's faced them in his career. Since he was drafted, the Titans have only beaten the Colts twice. Those were both last season while he was out injured. Wow. So uh, he absolutely has their number. But this might be a different Titans side. Mike Vrabel and Matt LaFleur absolutely tied Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in knots last week on both sides of the ball. Um, and, uh, and they just managed to take them apart. I feel like if the, the Colts are going to win, it's going to be down to uh, a transcendent Andrew Luck performance. And we've seen some of those this season. But you know what? I've been impressed enough with the Titans win over the New England Patriots. I'm going to take the Titans on the road to finally break the Andrew Luck hoodoo. Wow. That's amazing because we did our picks on the Gridiron Predictions game and all of our picks we'd agreed on. Every single one. Have I changed my pick on this? Well, I don't know because I'm going with the Colts. So (laughs) one of us has changed our pick. I like the Colts at home. I like what Andrew Luck is doing. Um, The Titans haven't been great away from home. Okay, they did... uh, they did go into the Cowboys building and, and do what they did to the Cowboys. The, the Titans defense has been great. Kevin Bayard is a, a locked in all pro, surely. And it's quite a claim. I think, I think he is. I think, I think he's, I think he's superb. So despite all of that, I've just got a feeling about the Colts and I think it will make this division really, really tight or the race to, to finish second place and try and catch up with um, with the Texans. So both teams will end up five and five. So Colts for me. Uh, let's keep it rolling to another four, five and four team facing a four and five team. Cincinnati heading to the Baltimore to face the Ravens. Uh, obviously the Ravens are coming off a pretty miserable stretch of games and Joe Flacco is listed as doubtful. Lamar Jackson didn't train in the early part of this week. We might be seeing an RG3 start in Baltimore. Uh, Hugh Jackson back on the Bengals. Don't think that's going to make a difference. But they did fire their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, after the Saints put 51 points on them. Um, I'm, they've allowed over 30 points in five of their nine games this season. AJ Green out with a toe injury. So this is a really banged up couple of teams. I'm just going to take the Bengals on the road purely based on, I think, their defence... See a new coach jump against Baltimore with likely a third string quarterback under center. AJ Green's definitely out. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. But Tyler Well, Boyd... no, I thought he was definitely out. Is he not listed? Uh, they, I've, got, I've got a doubtful here. Yeah, they said he was game to game, and then another report came out saying that toe injury is going to keep him out probably for most of for all of November. So I was going off that. I know, fair enough. Fair enough. I, 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 I'll double check. But um Tyler Boyd's been really good this season. They've got Joe Mixon back, and then with Gio Bernard also back too, it's. It, you, I think we'll see a lot more running, a lot more ball on the ground, and 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 other looks like that. I'm going to go the Bengals on this one. I've, I think they're a better team talent wise on offense, and I think that's what's going to shine through. It's me who had changed my pick on Twitter, uh, and uh, I have now. Made that official on the Gridiron Pick'em game on the website. Uh, the, uh, the the Detroit Lions now three and six, hosting the six and three Panthers at Ford Field. The Panthers going at four and a half point favourites for this one. Uh, they're their worst game of the season by a country mile on Thursday night football against Pittsburgh, and I think that's the only reason that they're out there at four and a half point. Uh, uh, favourites on this, it should be a lot more. The Lions um, were unexpectedly without Darius Slay 
last week. Um, T- no, uh, TJ Lang now on IR as well. Uh, the Lions have allowed the second highest QB rating to opponents this season. They need Slay to play if they're going to win this one. But they're really poor against the tight end. Greg Olson's great. Uh, I think the Panthers will be able to stop the run. I just this everything about this says Panthers win to me. Panthers for me, no Marvin Jones. So two of that uh, great trio of wide receivers that I claimed there were in in Detroit are gone. Golden Tate obviously, and now Marvin Jones. There's not much going on on offense, despite my love for uh, Carry On Johnson. And Carolina have. Uh, my favourite player in the NFL right now, Christian McCaffrey. So I am rooting for Carolina. Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to New York to face the Giants. I think I might change. I, I'm coming and arguing about changing my pick on this. We saw a really good Giants performance in Levi's against the 49ers. Not really good, but at least a good performance in getting the win there. And that had convinced me to take them over the Bucks. Can the Bucks be as unlucky as they were last week on offense? I really don't think they can. No, I'm just going to take the Giants. I'm taking the Giants because I took them before and I'm sticking with it. Giants for me. Let's go to the 9 o'clock games. <laughs> Thank you. I, we did need to race through a few of these a bit. Uh, Raiders-Cardinals. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals because the Raiders are dreadful. The Raiders are the worst team in football. They've got the worst head coach in football. I am taking the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, there's four really good, well, there's three really good games left in the one we're going to now. Chargers 7-2 and two welcome the Broncos into their building on a ridiculous six-game tear. But the one thing I have noticed in the two times we've seen them live is their inability to really put a game away. They don't put the, you know, the foot on the throat and really take it to teams. That's my only concern for this because the Broncos still have talent. They, they are, might be reeling right now, but they do still have some talent. However, I'm going to take the Chargers. Chargers for me, Rivers is playing really, really, really well. And if you can catch any of this game back at home, have a look at some of his sidearm throws. And they're really fun to look to watch. Chargers for me. I love the Chargers. And I hope, I haven't checked, but I hope they're playing in their powder blue. The one, uh, the one person... I watch. I, uh, the one person I do think has an opportunity, um, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is uh, a great pass-catching back, and that's the one place that the Chargers have struggled this season. Just look out for Philip Lindsay maybe having a big game. The Eagles, reeling Eagles, going up to New Orleans. The 4-5 and five Philadelphia Eagles, the 8-1 and one New Orleans Saints. Uh, it's in New Orleans. This is a great game. It's a great game because of how desperately the Eagles need it. It's a, without Teron Armstead, he's uh, out with a pectoral industry. Jermaine Bushrod is a, a big step down for them. I think that the okay. I think the Eagles. The problems with the Eagles. I'm just really were looking for a factor to swing this game for me. Really obviously, the Eagles' injuries at secondary. Ronald Darby now out for the season. Sidney Jones, Rodney McLeod also inactive. I'm going to take the Saints to pass all over the Eagles and get a big old win. I can't disagree with you there. Big, big Saints win in the Superdome. Under, um, uh, under Obviously, it's under the lights but because it's in a dome. But Drew Brees, love it. Um, huge victory for the Saints. Uh, two games left to talk about. Both pretty massive. Sunday night football to start off with. Six and three Bears 
Welcome the 5-3-1 and one Minnesota Vikings. The NFC North Marbles up for grabs. Um, the Bears obviously are a hugely different team. Um, made some big changes at receiver uh, with Alan Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller all coming in. Trey Burton signed in free agency. They've looked good on offense even with uh, Blake Bortles North playing for them. And obviously their defense has been the thing that's absolutely made them tick. The Vikings, the defense has been what's made them tick for the last two or three years. And I still stand that Kirk Cousins is getting underrated in terms of quarterback play for this season. This is, the, uh, this is a real proper coin flip for me this weekend. I'm taking the Bears in this. Ooh. I don't think Kirk Cousins has been playing as well as he should be playing or as well as everyone thinks he's playing, especially you. So I'm not rating... Um, Kirk Cousins against and and that not very good offensive line against the Chicago Bears who are galvanized by Khalil Mack being in the building and even when he's not they're getting wins he's back Bears victory for me then this one if Cousins has a big game against the Bears you are going to have to roll that back and apologize to me because Cousins if you've actually watched the film has played great this season and has been a huge upgrade for the Vikings in terms of quarterback play. They had their problems before this weren't Oh, Willie, don't get all salty with me. No, I'm getting salty. Whoa, the Bears, so much the salt, Bears man. have the lowest QB hey, rating against them in the league. So if Cousins goes out there and has a great game this week, well, we are, you I'll, are going to be eating I'll apologize, a big old salty hat. if he doesn't have a good game, you need to apologize to me. Oh, because he's not had a good game against the best defense in the NFL. Well, because I, I'm saying he hasn't been that good. Well, I'm saying he has been that good. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we got angry. Didn't I? Don't like. I can only apologise there, guys. We're both tired. It's been a long week. Rams, Chiefs. Oh my God! Banger. Which defense can stop the other's offense? <laughs> and could this be the most points ever scored in an NFL game? Fifty points each. Oof. <laughs> 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 It could absolutely happen. We're just basically now making noises about this game. <laughs> Do you know what? We're going to talk. We talked for half an hour about uh, the Packers game a moment ago. We're going to blatantly do the same with this game. I'm just going you, you, There's not much more to say about this game that hasn't been said absolutely everywhere because it is such a barnstormer. So let's just give our predictions and close out the show. Chiefs win. I'm going to take the Rams at home. Chiefs on the road. Amazing. Oh, oh. Rams. Chiefs. Um. <laughs> uh, it's been fun, Ollie. Chiefs. It's always fun. Yeah, let's go have a few beers, find a nice Japanese bar, and drink some Karaoke. sake. Sake. Whiskey, I'm down. Let's finish off the show with the latest odds for our friends at redzonesports.bet. Bye. Ciao. Hi, this is Warren from redzone.bet with Will gallivanting around the west coast of the States and just sending me photos of him in late night bars. Um, I am doing the week 11 TV preview, betting preview on my own. So we'll go straight into it. It's the Titans at the Colts. I think it's a really interesting game. Both teams have got something to play for because with the Houston Texans, uh, away at the Washington Redskins, which is not an easy game. They've got a chance to really put themselves in the mix for this divisional race. Uh, Luck's been playing really well. His offensive line has improved dramatically. They've not allowed a sack in the last four games. 
And the Titans on the other side have also found some rhythm on offense. Mariota is showing some confidence uh, uh, running and, and also in receiver Corey Davis is getting more involved. Um, and the Colts defense is poor, especially against uh, blitzes. Um, but I still think both teams will be able to move the ball. I like this to be a, a, a close game. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a coin flip. I'm going to go for over 51 points in the game. So over 51 points, it will be my bet. Um, for the next game, Eagles uh, at the Saints. What a fantastic game. It's the world champion Eagles, as the Americans like to say, against the Saints. The Saints' offense has looked nothing short of phenomenal. I think they're the best team in the league. Um, left tackle uh, Teron Armstead is going to be out for a month. That's going to hurt their pass protection. It could lead to some problems against a strong Philly front seven. However, Philly may not blitz too much as the secondary is quite injured. So um, Wentz is playing well. Lack of a run game means he's going to have to pass more often than they probably would like to. Um, the Saints' weakness is still at the back. So I can see Philly putting up some points. At the moment, the line is seven and a half. You can back the Philadelphia Eagles with seven and a half points, and I'm actually going to take that. But I think this game's going to be a little bit closer. Uh, they're going to give the Saints a little bit more of a challenge, and they can score some points themselves. So that's my bet for that game. Vikings v Bears is the late um, is the next TV game. Um, you know, apart from the Rams game, the the Vikings defense has done very well. This is going to be a stern test for Trubisky. Um, and, and I don't... Look, he's he's looking great, but I don't think he's as good as many people think. Um, and he's been taking advantage of a poor schedule. And he has had issues with accuracy when he's been hurried or blitzed. Um, it's hard to run on the Bears. So if the Vikings are going to present a challenge, it's going to down, be down to Cousins to play well. Max should be able to feast on a on a weak offensive line of the Vikings. So it's going to be, it's going to be tight, but... I'm going to go for under 45 points in this uh, in this game. So, you know, you keep your, you, you pay your money, you take your chances. And finally, it's going to be the Chiefs-Rams. Uh, the Chiefs-Rams is, uh, the line is three and a half points. Um, the Rams are favourites by three and a half points. Yeah, this is such an exciting game. The loss of Cooper Cup cannot be underestimated for the Los Angeles Rams. He was the favourite target of Jet, uh, Goff and he kept the, uh, the chains moving uh, every drive will matter so a punt I think in this game is effectively conceding a score to the other team Chiefs have been quietly improving uh, on defence and they've still got Eric Berry to come back in, uh, in a little while um, Sammy Watkins is back and that's you know that gives Mahomes all his weapons uh, the Rams defence we've been saying over the last few weeks I think is a little overhyped um, and so for that reason, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs plus three and a half points. You can get that at 25 to 28 with us. Um, good luck with everything you do. Gamble responsibly and uh, happy Thanksgiving for the coming week.